BGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 674, recorded on January 25th, 674th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 507th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I'm TJ Dinser. I'm Scott Derrick. I am Jonah Falk. The VGRT, Gaming, the VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Right. Kind of an eventful week, sort of, kind of. Um, the highlight of which was Microsoft sending a, uh, a subpoena to Sony and saying, hey, you want us, you want us, you want us, to, you want us to show us those things which say that... Uh, Call of Duty is going to kill you, you know. How, you know, and the fact of the matter is, you can bet your bottom dollar that someone at Activision told them, "Listen, they're full of shit. Just call them on it and call them on their bluff." Sony demanded a, an extension to try and quash the subpoena. I don't think it's going to happen. And um, more and more people are pressuring the FTC to drop this because it's a waste of time. So I just find it funny. That's all. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's 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 seemingly getting out of control, or I mean, to a degree that like Microsoft had its uh, financial, or it's uh, it's it dropped its quarterly financials this last week, and they didn't say anything about Activision Blizzard, and I'm not sure if it's like, well, it's not even in the not even in their discussion of like guidance and future business. Which well, that's not entirely to, true. They're having so, they're doing something with with an Activision Blizzard thing later. Um, what's interesting is that Blizzard's having all kinds of problems with the union vote, and they just decided to drop it because they mm-hmm. couldn't get anybody to agree. Yeah, and that's a, a whole other twisted mess. Um, it's just I don't know. It, it, the more time goes on, the more complicated that that situation gets, and the more I wonder if uh, uh, if, Microsoft's if, done this before. If they're going to be able, if they're going to be able to close the deal anytime soon. Well, they'll, I, they'll I, close the deal. It's just going to take them a little bit longer to get through the bullshit. I hope they do close the deal because I, I definitely want those IPs to be used again. And uh, there was more news about. Um, Blizzard uh, having these weird st- uh, stacked ranked uh, things where they, they uh, you know, fire off the lo- lower 10 percent depending on scores or whatever. And it just <laughs> sounds terrible. Like, I, I feel like they can't it can't be soon enough for these people to be bought out. I just want because Game Pass means I'll have an automatic uh, subscription to World mm. of Warcraft. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, Microsoft did have their uh, developer uh, developer direct today. We'll be t- talking about that later. So I'm not going to talk about what I've been playing just yet. Um, but what have you been playing, Scott? I went back to play Grandia 2. Um, it's really? uh, it, yeah on Steam, and it's just you know sequel to the first game. And you play a uh, like a mercenary bodyguard who's not as uh, joyful and optimistic as Justin was in the first game. Um, and then you basically are guiding this songstress who gets possessed by a demon. And so now you're kind of on a quest to defeat these parts of this demon uh, to prevent him from coming back and uh, taking over the world. And uh, it has uh, its turn. Let me ask you a question. You must have been the anniversary edition, right? Yes, I do. Because here's the thing. The first Grandia 2, when it was first released, was back in 2000. <laughs> and um, it hit Windows in 2002, so it's like a 20-year-old game. So it's like, yep. But the Anniversary Edition actually came out... Um, well, it came out in 2015, but they actually had an update to the Anniversary Edition in 2019. But still, that yeah. is a classic game you've been playing. Did you play the first Grandia? Yes, I did. I played the first one on PlayStation 1. And I really enjoyed it. It's like, yeah, that, that tells you how old that game is. You played it on the PS1. <laughs> yeah, I did. And uh, 
the, the first game you were you were going out to find there's this there's this world where there's this huge wall and he and Justin comes to this town where nobody knows what's on the other side of this huge wall but he wants to climb it and go see and the game makes it this real ordeal climbing the wall getting to the top and then getting over it and it's just this big epic moment you know and it's just like you don't always get those moments in video games sometimes and this was a really good moment I mean, the uh, the 2019 remaster looks really good. It has some really high definition graphics, but they yeah. still kept the they still kept the sort of PS1 look to it. Yeah, they also uh, like some of the spells have uh, some anime cutscenes where it's like showing the the, yeah. the planet and there's a beam of light or there's firebirds flying through the sky. So they have some really nice effects in the game. And I'm watching the story; it's darker than the first game. Yeah. How about you, TJ? What have you been playing? Well, I can talk about it since this won't be up until probably after tomorrow. Uh, I've been playing Dead Space Remake for review. Oh, cool. It's good. Did you did you play the, the original? Yes, of course. Oh, okay. It's uh, it's one of my favorite games. As a because uh, anybody who's I, never played Dead Space, I always say just wait for the opening scene with a planet cracker. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wholeheartedly believe that. Dead Space saved modern horror gaming because it, it, it came out at a time when Resident Evil was in its was leaning super hard into action. Silent Hill was putting out crap after crap from third party publishers or from third party developers, and, and uh, we didn't really have much going for like we there wasn't really an indie scene that you could look to to try something new. Yeah, and, and this then, this game sort of subverted the entire go for the head mechanic because that was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And um, I was really nervous that uh, that like it either wouldn't add enough to make it an interesting thing to return to, or that it would like mess it up along the way. But I was wrong. EA Motive did an incredible job with this remake. Um, well, here's a question: content-wise, is there anything new? Yeah, that's what I was actually going to get to is that it's there's a lot of it that like retreads the similar steps that you may remember from the original. But there are some definite twists in there that like there are certain elements of the original that I'm I'm not a fan of. And uh, it reworks some of those segments and encounters and makes them into better experiences. And like top to bottom, it's it's a it's a hell of a modern horror game. I really, really, really like this one. Let me ask you a question. Are the chapter names the same? They're similar, yeah. Well, here's the thing. For those of you who don't know, uh, the first Dead Space, each of the chapters were like, the first one was New Arrivals, then Intensive Care, then the Course Correction, Obliterated. But if you look at the initial of each of the first letters, it spelled out Nicole is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was wondering if that was kept in the remake. So, yeah, they uh, they, they play around with Nicole a bit more, and uh, then they they rework uh, Hammond and uh, and Daniels a bit. And uh, Isaac has a voice in this one. He was on un- he was completely un- unvoiced in the first. Well, he did have a voice, but like he didn't have dialogue in the very first Dead Space. He was just a grunting, guttural mess of noise of like reaction noises. Yeah. And uh, he actually has dialogue in this one that is voiced by the same guy who's been voicing him since the beginning. And I love it. it. It adds more context to everything. It makes him feel like a, a more real character instead of a bot that's just kind of there. Um, I love it. So how about the how about the graphics? What 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 settings did you jack it up to? Uh, I played on PS5 and I put it oh, okay. on uh, I put it on performance mode, but like it is gorgeous. Okay. I, the, I uh, was hoping that you might have gotten the PC version and wanted to see how much how far you jacked it up for that. They did a new system with uh with the enemies where like it's it's like basically they made it so that every enemy is layered from their outer skin to their to their inner bone. And you can and as you shoot away at them, you actually see bits of flesh and bone and muscle just rip away. It's uh it's pretty graphic, it's pretty gory, and like it's also pretty dang good. Yeah, because I've seen some comparison videos with the uh, first Dead Space and the uh and the remake, and they have some nice lighting. And uh, mm-hmm. Isaac's uh, outfit 
looks less like a jumpsuit now with stuff attached to it. Yeah. Um, I've taken like really close looks at like the mechan like the stuff on his outfit though. And it makes sense. He's got like, he's got like cinch hooks or he's got gears and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like the kind of stuff, like the kind of stuff you strap into or like attach something to. It all looks like it's actually like functional and util and like utilitarian. Well, for those who don't know the game, uh, Isaac is an engineer. He's just an engineer. He has a cutting tool. That's it for the most part. And his cutting tool is the main uh, weapon that he uses. And when I was uh, when I was alluding to before with Don't Go for the Head is that the uh, Xenomorphs, I forgot what the Necromorphs, right. The Necromorphs, um, they get more dangerous when you cut off the head. What you have to do is cut off the limbs so that they can't really move that well. And then you get up to them and do a Goomba stomp. Just crush them with your, your thing. Also, um, I have to say this about the game at the time. I haven't played the remake, so I, I don't know if, how, how much better it is. But at the time, it had the best 0G uh, levels that I remember in any game that didn't that weren't not annoying. They felt like 0G. It was so much better in this game than in the original. Like, I don't know why, but like, it, it, they, EA Motive seemed to figure out a control scheme that actually feels appealing to use. It doesn't feel like you're like, clunky, unable to orient yourself properly. It felt pretty easy to move around in zero-G gravity. Yeah, but it did in the game. I mean, the game, it felt good, so you're saying it feels better? Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like, combat feels more fluid and and, and enjoyable in zero-G than it did in the original to me. Anyways, um, we're going to move on to the, uh, to the Microsoft Developer Direct. Did either of you watch it? It was it was today for those who don't know at the time of recording. Yeah, I saw yeah, it. I, I didn't watch it. Okay. Uh, first, uh, Redfall got an extended gameplay showcase, uh, and they gave it a release date on May second. Uh, so the bigger thing is the May second thing. The gameplay basically played out as I expected, um, but uh, the 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 the, the uh, town that you play in is huge. There's a lot of things to explore. And since it isn't a Left 4 Dead, it's more of a Borderlands, uh, they they made sure that people, even if they're playing single player, had a lot to explore, all the nooks and crannies, and they made it so that, yeah, you're going to have to use stealth, because going and charging ahead is going to be a very bad idea in that game. I got a lot of interesting vibes off the trailer we saw today. Um, got a little bit of Rainbow Six, uh, Rainbow Six, Rainbow Six Extraction off of it with the whole uh, PVE thing, like going into randomized, di- like they showed off entering va- vampire dens today. Yeah. And uh, they talked about like, every time you go in there, you'll probably run into a randomized set of threats and challenges and, and layouts. And that was a very much a rainbow six extraction thing to me. Um, it also reminded, it's always reminded me a little bit of borderlands. I heard some people saying it reminds them a bit of far cry today. Yeah, because um, basically you have the old um, defeat the uh, region boss to control that region sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that means that you're going to have to keep going back to places and, and recapturing areas. I hope I hope they don't like retake territory from you because that would be annoying. Actually, you know, here's the thing: if you die, then I think they should take retake. Uh, that should be the penalty for dying is that they retake. Uh, 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 retake territory from you. Mm-hmm. And besides which, I got the vibes that the entire point of the game is not to keep the territory, but to kill the uh, the boss in that territory. So in order to get that, in order to get to the boss, you had to you know conquer that territory first. So if you kept it or not after that, I don't know if it means anything because you you take the boss's skull and you put it on a thing. And basically, you're trying to get enough stuff so that you can start summoning the really Cthulhu-type vampires, the big bosses. Yeah. Um, I'm also digging the weaponry, too. It looks very arcane, but it also kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, a little bit of Fallout, the way that the weapons look. The thing is that every every there are four characters, and each of them have their own specialty. So mm. there's, that's a little bit more Borderlands as well for people. Yeah. But, I mean, trust Arcane. We finally got a release date, too. It's coming in May. I said that, May 2nd. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
very exciting. Did you know that that's one week before the new Zelda? Very ballsy. Well, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of cross. There's a lot of cross. Uh, what's it called there? You know, I think that Venn diagram might be smaller. It's sort of like counter-programming. I mean, how many people who are on the Xbox and PC are going to care about a Nintendo console-only game? I don't know. I'll be getting Zelda. Yeah, you might be getting Zelda, but um, people who don't own a Nintendo are not going to be getting Zelda. Well, that's true, yeah. (laughs) Uh, The next item, there was Minecraft Legends. It's getting an April release date, April 18th. And they showed off the PvP, which was... um, I don't, it had a good a good amount of uh, uh, Fortnite to it, but uh, the main point of it is that you're building your bases and you get more time to build the bases. And there's a third party who's going to be attacking everybody, so it's a melee a trois basically. I think I'm more interested in co-op game than uh, PvP, but it's God, sort of, I shouldn't be yeah. surprised that they're going to do that. It's the, actually, you know, the way it played out, I don't think I'd mind playing PvP because it's it's not – I don't think you're going to see a lot of assholes in that mode. <laughs> I certainly hope not. <clears throat> yeah, no kidding. This is one of the more family-friendly PvP modes, basically. It's it's too cute to be to be that <laughs> – to be to have assholes in it. They'll be like, no, that's kind of babyish. I'm going to play League of Legends. <laughs> What did you think, TJ? Which game was this? The Minecraft Legends, the PvP uh, mode. Right. Um, I've never been a big Minecraft person, but the idea of a Minecraft... It, it can, is it a MOBA? I didn't uh, no, it's a MOBA. Sport. Um, MOBA is like League of Legends or, or Dota. It's or, not League of Legends, no. No, no. What it is basically is that you'll have a generated world, a previously generated world, like just like single player Minecraft, except each side is going to build a base, you know, sort of like Fortnite, but a lot faster. And people will be making all these things in their base before they have to, you know, and it's sort of like a time because, oh boy, we better get them before they they build their cannons, which can shoot us from across town. There's going to be a lot of strategy because this is Minecraft we're talking about. There's so much to do in Minecraft that, you know, you have... There's so many things that you can exploit in Minecraft. Because there's already a Minecraft PvP. I mean... Um, oh, yeah. You, they, they, there's already a mod for uh, Ultra Hardcore uh, and, P, uh, PvP where you you have a world border that's slowly shrinking, getting smaller. And, and I'm telling you something. A lot of these servers, some of these servers have a um, sort of like a warning that, yeah, we're not nice on the server, so... Be careful. Yeah, there are there are PvP servers and then there are peaceful servers and there's all sorts of servers out there. So you yeah. just have to find the one that fits you. No, I mean it's like this this server is for griefing. So if you don't like griefing, stay out. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Minecraft Legends uh, basically takes the entire building things from Fortnite and shows you, look, we did this first. Yeah. It is <laughs> really interesting. It, it's because a lot of it is building your base, but then getting ready f- to counteract whatever your opponent is going to do. And then you have these these mobs that are just going to attack everybody. Hmm. Anyway. Anyways. Ahead, uh, it's interesting to see how many spinoffs they're going for with Minecraft. I mean, I, I do believe that the game is interesting. The this is only the second spinoff. I mean, you had Minecraft Dungeons, which is basically Diablo for babies. Which is fine because you know you have your your dad and the kid playing my Minecraft. Uh, There's Minecraft together. story mode, so this would be the third spinoff. Yeah, that was Telltale though. It's not that's that's not actually a Minecraft spinoff. I don't know about that. It was a Minecraft spin <laughs> game. It had nothing to do with Mojang. It just used the uh, just used the brand. This is actually sure, a Minecraft it, game. Sure, but if it's set in the Minecraft universe, then it's still a spinoff. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they, they like, still controlled the IP and told you know. Do y'all consider uh, Minecraft Earth to be a spinoff? Yeah, that would be one of them, yeah. Uh, no, that's just a different kind of Minecraft, like Minecraft PSVR. Sure, but there's still, like, there's still derivations of the of the Minecraft form, Yeah, but huh? here's the thing. that This game is basically what a lot of people wanted Minecraft Story Mode to be. Yeah, I hmm. did. That's, that's true. <laughs> that's This is what a lot of people wanted it to be. So they have the PvP mode. This is probably going to be the co-op mode, which is just going to be, you know... 
player versus environment sort of stuff. But it is a new it's it's something that is not like Minecraft dungeons in that it's easier than easy. This one looks like it's going to say, "Hey, listen, players, you make it as hard as you want to be." Moving on, uh, we finally got to take, take a look at the new Forza Motorsport, and they've dropped the numbers. So it's not Forza Motorsport 8. It's just Forza Motorsport right now, so I think they're going to um, basically live service it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, live service, though, it makes you think of Fallout 76. It's just going to be, yeah, we're just having this Forza Motorsport, and we're just going to keep iterating on it without actually releasing a new product. It's going to have 20 new little – go ahead. With a racing game, that's probably what they should have done a while ago. Yeah, I think they're going to do that with uh, Forza Horizon. They'll say, yeah, this is now Forza Horizon. So the new game is going to have 20 uh, race locations. It's going to run at 4K, 60 frames per second. It'll have more than 500 cars, including 100 that are new to the game. Uh, Here's the thing. There are people who love Forza Horizon. God bless them. I am not a Forza Horizon fan. Hmm. I prefer Forza Motorsport, which is a straight-up racing game, you know, like Gran Turismo. It's not trying to do, you know, it's not that, oh, we have a matchbox car mode in which you can do these loop-de-loops. No, it's just racing. Yeah. I, I've always liked uh, the arcadiness of Horizon, but I but I think that Motorsport is a really, 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 really good series, too. Like, and moving to a live service mode means that like you won't have to be waiting till the next. It, they're not. They're likely not unless it sucks and it like gets canceled <laughs> after a certain amount of time. Unless they Marvel's Avengers, a Marvel Avengers it. Uh, you're not gonna have to like worry about when the next Forza comes out because they'll just keep adding stuff to the Forza that exists. Yeah. I here's the thing. Um, they always released car packs anyway. You know. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle multiplayer, um, if they're going to do what Forza Horizon did, if they're going to have an open world in which you have to drive to the tracks, or if it's just going to be, yeah, here's a race, play it, you want to go here, here. Um, I think it's going to be an open world because they talked a lot about having real-time weather and day-night cycles. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know... Uh... I don't have much more to say on it. it. It does sound cool based on what they've talked about, what the ambitions for it, but it also seems this is set to come out in 2023. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be early. It seems like th- this would be a game that comes out probably in the fall or even holiday season. I no, I think it's going to be like March, 2023. You know, that's when the uh, end of fiscal year happens. So that Microsoft will get that boost of money. Although it's going to be, it's gonna be on, but it's going to be on Steam and uh, Epic anyway. Speaking of which, uh, Tango Gameworks is, has a new game. It's called Hi-Fi Rush, and it's a rhythm action game, and it came out today. And I always love it when you have a – it's always a special moment. Whenever you have a conference, you know, at E3 or wherever, and they talk about this game and they really hype it up, and uh, Bethesda did this with Fallout Shelter, and they go, oh, by the way, it's out now. You don't have to <laughs> wait for it. It's out now. I love it whenever that happens. It's like that that tickle that you get as a fan. You say, oh, really? You go straight to your computer or console to check it out. So I, I've been playing this for the past few hours. That's my – what have you been playing lately is Hi-Fi Rush. What do you think of it? Oh, it's great. I had a lot of fun. A lot of people watching the trailer thought it was going to be something like Sunset Overdrive. No, it's more like Bayonetta. Or any other, or or um, you know, uh, Devil May Cry. It is basically a Hideo Kamiya game, even though it's Tango GameWorks, uh, but with rhythm movement instead of which time. Hmm. And it's funny without being without trying too hard. It's casually funny, and it it's that much funnier because they are trying to beat you over the head with the comedy. You know, the main character is likable. The characters that he meets are likable. Talking to the robots all over town is funny. Um, there's this one character, this one robot, who talks with a stuffy British accent, and he has this pile pile of crates that are there, and he says, you know, there are many few things that I enjoy more than life, but then making a nice stack of boxes that are just perfect and all that stuff. Obviously, you're going to break them down and, 
you don't have to, but you just destroy them all. And it's, I mean, if you talk to him again, he says, well, the boxes are gone, but I will always have the memory of those boxes being in a stack, which is good <laughs> enough for me. Yes. It's hilarious. Um, so the thing is that you don't have to really be in time. It's not one of those games that's going to punish you for it, but you get bonuses for it. Uh, for doing, you get extra damage if you go with a beat. Uh, what's interesting to me is that there was both a uh, there was a streamer mode in which you would turn off the licensed music and had, but the the, the music that was made specifically for the game is really good anyway. But you're not going to get nine inch nails or anything like that. You know, a lot of the things there. Um, the music's really good to play with. I'll be inter- I'll play it again without streaming it so I can listen to the music that you know. Because it has a, a whole list of uh, musicians that that have contributed to the game. Yeah, it's got licensed and original music in it. Yeah, which uh, tells me yeah. if they ever re-release it, you don't have to worry about oh they had to take out all those tracks. They'll just take out the licensed music tracks, and you'll be left with pretty good tracks that are made specifically for the game. Who are made by rock groups, by the way. This isn't like Bethesda's internal rock groups. No, they just went to these to these groups and said, "Hey, can you make some music first? Thanks. Just do it to this time to beat." It looks great. Um, I the visuals gave me a Jet Set Radio uh, feel to it. Yeah, what a twist too. This is Tango GameWorks, like yeah. <laughs> Evil Within and Ghostwire Tokyo. Ghostwire Tokyo, and then this. This is like completely different from everything that we've seen of them, and it's like, and even before that, because Shinji Mikami was was known heavily for working on the Resident Evil series. I think it's, the thing is that, um, well, here's the thing is that it's a $30 game. You can get it on Steam and uh, Epic as well. It's on Game Pass, obviously, but you can also get it on Steam and Epic. Um, it's only $30, which tells me this is one of those projects they have like a small team working on, like Obsidian does. I said, you know what? This is pretty fun. Let's let's put some more let's put some more effort into it, and it'll be a nice surprise for anybody who, who sees it. You know? Mm-hmm. It's a double A game in every sense of the word, and I love it for that. Yeah, this was a uh, it was really cool to see, and the game looks incredibly fun. Like, I've I've seen people talk about it as like if you try to do like half step or quarter step notes, you'll be like pulling off like Devil May Cry style combos. And oh yeah, thing. because um you can do stuff like yeah you can uh, well here's the thing you can do light attacks, heavy attacks, and dodges and all that, and they all. If you do a – you can do a light attack, light attack, light attack, light attack, and then bam, big light attack. Or you can go light attack, beat, light attack, light attack, wham, it's even harder, and you knock them into the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the everything about like the stylization of it, the art of it, looks just plain out fun. Like <laughs> I, uh, I really dig the main character – and even though that a lot of people have said Jet Set Radio and like uh, and and uh, what was the other one? Uh, Sunset Overdrive. <laughs> Sunset Overdrive. I've also like it. It looks cartoonish in a way that those those games are also cartoonish. But it looks cartoonish in the way that like the stretching faces and emotes and reactions. This reminds me of like a good Saturday morning cartoon I'd watch. Yeah, um, to me, you know, gameplay-wise and character-wise, I don't know, it kept on reminding me of Bayonetta. I can see that, too. And the thing is that doing the rhythm stuff, to me, felt like I was trying to make Witch Time, you know? But it is really fun. It is a Futurama type of, of, of sense of humor. Nice. Because if you play it, you'll think, oh, this is this this would fit with Futurama, too. Yeah, I'll have to jump into it when I get a chance. It looks like it's a really, really good time. Have you seen it, Scott? Uh, no, I haven't seen the game. But go ahead and watch some gameplay videos. And this is the sort of game I fully expect to be on the Switch in like a couple of months. This is one of those games I think Microsoft will say, you know what? Let's make some more money. Let's put it on Switch. Yeah, I can see that. And finally, um, you can play all the previous Elder Scrolls online chapters for free. They're coming out with a new, uh, a new uh, our character class called the Arcanist, and it's going to take place in Morrowind, and parts of Morrowind that you didn't get to play for a very long time. Uh, it's making all the 20th uh, previous chapters and DLC free for a limited time, so you can jump in. I have a I have a feeling like this is 
sort of hinting what's at what's going to be in Elder Scrolls 6 too. They're making a big deal about going back to this region for the first time in 20 years. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that, uh, that Elder Scrolls Online had such a fervent fan base still. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, uh, but having re- – yeah, I was going to say, having written the news for this today uh, and seeing how many people were coming to the coming to our site to see what was going on, it, le- it seems like there's a pretty robust community for this game out there. Um, yeah, uh, there's been a lot of demand for a new character class and a new place to play. Big, yes, there's been a and big they answered demand. Both the, and they've answered both of those demands today. Uh, Arcanist is the, is the new class that's coming in June. Yeah, basically a uh, magic user, but uses secret magic that no one else uses. That is basically like wild magic. Yeah. And I've never played Elder Scrolls Online just because the idea of of co-opting a world with other players in in a game like that sounds not fun to me. But I can't deny... The stuff that they've done with uh, Elder Scrolls Online is stuff that I would play if it was in a single-player game. Here's the thing about Elder Scrolls Online. It's basically meant to be a looser version of World of Warcraft in which World of Warcraft always seems a little bit – what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Restrictive in a lot of ways. Elder Scrolls Online is just really open and free and just you know more like Star Wars Galaxies than, than World of Warcraft. I had a friend who could solo Epic Dungeons by himself. He had gotten that good at it. I don't know if they nerfed that sort of thing. He, do, he doesn't play it as much, but it's less restrictive. It's more, you know, um, it's not going to stop people from really going, yeah, let's play some Elder Scrolls 6. But there's a lot of people who are just really, really into the game. I mean, the people who are into the game are really into the game. Yeah. It does seem that way. Like it, it really seems like those that are in there are really having a really good time with it. Yeah, anybody who's not playing, whenever they say, uh, whenever there's an Elder Scrolls Online trailer or whatever or gameplay, they're like, "Ah, oh, geez, not this again." You know, it's there's sort of like a, a lot of people just don't want to deal with Elder Scrolls Online because they'd rather have Elder Scrolls Six. But the people who play Elder Scrolls Online are really huge fans of it. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Talk about the, one of the weirder news items. Um, this is the first news item, aside from the Microsoft showing. Uh, the day before, hit by eight-month delay over bizarre trademark dispute. And this comes from PC Gamer. Uh, the day before, Steam's second most wish mo- most wish-listed game has been struck by a trademark dispute just ahead of a release of a quote-unquote raw gameplay footage trailer, which was promised for later this month. But now the trailer has been indefinitely postponed while Fantastic consults with its lawyers. And the game's March 1st release date has slipped all the way to November 10th. In an update posted to Fantastic's Twitter this morning, the studio claimed that Steam blocked its game page at the request of a private individual who filed a trademark for the day before in the United States, several months after the game's July 2021 announcement. The studio says it found out about this only on July 19, 2023, when it received a complaint from the trademark holder. So everything, the game, the trailer, anything that could tell us more about this still mysterious survival MMO is on hold while Fantastic tries to fulfill its pledge to definitely solve everything. Yeah, we're going to talk about how skeezy this really sounds. Uh, the day before I already had a number of red flags about it from feature lists that seemed unclear of what it would be in the game just months ahead of release to its heavily orchestrated gameplay trailers. And for it to suddenly vanish just as it was apparently primed to show off itself off, uh, makes the whole thing feel fishier than ever. Uh, in fairness, Fantastic does link to the relevant document in the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office website, and it really was filled by, filed by a South Korean applicant in May of 2021. So it's not like the whole thing had been made up out of whole cloth, but it is utterly baffling to think that in the studio's own version of the events, it announced its game with a lot of splash and pizzazz, but without all the relevant trademarks in place. Then, presumably proceeded with developing for years without ever noticing that someone had uh, owned their game's name in the United States. There's even a record of Fantastic's own application for a trademark in January last year. Did that somehow proceed without anyone catching one of the other one? On the game's subreddit, which only has 4.6 thousand subscribers, uh, not many for a hotly anticipated game, uh, the prevailing narrative seems to be the game just isn't ready to be shown, let alone launched. Quote uh, one person, I doubt this actually had anything to do with the delay. 
this, that it's just that the game is in no way, shape, or form going to get released in March. Uh, yeah, this is going to come out after Vampire the Masquerade 2 Bloodlines. This is this is a scam. This is this is a this is not a game. This is the strangest thing to me because I had I'd never heard of this until until maybe the beginning of this week. Who wishlist this game on it. Steam though? <laughs> yeah, like, was it irony that like I. <laughs> I have not heard anything about this game until people started saying it's the most wishlisted game on Steam. And then suddenly it's like <laughs> and then suddenly it's like not coming out or whatever. It's like, what even is this? What and what it's such a banal looking game. Why would people care about this game? Even if it was real and it was coming out. Screenshots, the screenshots don't look terrible. I've seen worse I've seen worse uh, vaporware. But the but it isn't that it's bad. It's sudden, just banal. Like the sudden appearance of it, and the sudden and suddenly everybody being like, "This is the most, this is the most uh, popular game on Steam that you don't know about." And I'm like, uh, "Well, if it's popular, and I don't know about it. There's something wrong." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like that line from "To I, Be or Not to Be." He's world famous in Poland. <laughs> I, um, this this screams out scam to me or people in over their head. I hope no one. I, sure. I, I hope no one actually spend money in this. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, look, Star the same thing about Stalker Two for a long time, but that's kind of happening. Uh, Stalker Two had its own problems, but let me let me compare it to a different game. Let's talk about Star Citizen. It's ha- it's going to be releasing its 3.18 alpha build. But the fact of the matter is, people are playing it, people are enjoying it, even if it's in its early fa- uh, phases. You know, it's not it, that's not a scam. It's just ta- it's just that Chris Roberts just wants to put a whole. He's trying out a new technology in that game, which is extremely uh, 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 shady. No, extremely op- uh, not optimistic. Uh, uh, what is experimental? What, yeah, experimental, but. Um, What's that word I'm looking for when you want to when you're trying something really difficult? Uh, ambitious. Ambitious. Yeah, it's really ambitious. It's doing a universe that is a universe, and it, everything stays right. It's completely dynamic. If you leave a dead body on a planet, that dead body is going to be there forever until something happens to it or to decompose or something like that. You know. A ship crashes, its wreckage is going to be there for the rest of, uh, until someone deals with it. You know, that is t- is going to take a lot of server space and a lot of time and a lot, you know. And I don't know if it's worth it for a game, you know, that you essentially is a space simulation MMO. And I don't know what it's doing to Squadron 42. And there are a lot of people who are much more interested in Squadron 42 than they are with Star Citizen. For those who don't know, Squadron 42 broke off. It's the single-player version of Star Citizen. There's a lot of people, including me, you know, because it's Chris Roberts, it's Wing Commander, it's it's Freelancer, you know. But still, it is ambitious beyond fuck. This game does not feel ambitious. <laughs> this game feels like a quick cash grab. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess the thing that I didn't know about before this week not coming out wouldn't be that big of a deal. <laughs> like, it's... Uh, for all those who are really, really interested in this game, I don't believe you, for one. But for two, like, I'm sorry. I wonder if, if people are just w- w- wishlisting it just out of irony. Just out of, yeah, let's see if this game actually comes out. I want to see the notification when it says, ding, you can buy this game. <laughs> Why do that when uh, when Skull and Bones is right there? God. Here's the difference. People are playing Skull and Bones. The gameplay may suck, but they're playing it. Are they, though? Yes, there are. There's a <laughs> ton of beta testers, and they're all telling Ubisoft, this shit is boring. <laughs> but they're playing it. I can, I can believe that, but I also 
but I also am kind of of the mindset that uh, Skull and Bones never actually existed except for in our imaginations. Here's the thing. Skull and Bones can be released tomorrow if Ubisoft wants. It's a finished product. The problem with that finished product is that it's a boring piece of shit product. That's basically World of Warcraft with a pirate uh, sheen on it. And who needs another yeah. w- w- World of Warships? Are people from World of Warships going to say, oh, you know what? World of Warships sucks. I want to do Skull and Bones. Yeah. <laughs> Dudes, if you want to make your own version of of Sea of Thieves, except less funny and just harder and edgier, there's going to be a crowd for that. You know? Maybe it's too hard to do that. I mean, Ubisoft hasn't been aces at making new concept games. I mean, if it isn't an Assassin's Creed slash Far Cry slash whatever open world game, the amount of, of effort they put into Skull and Bones, which was not going to be one of those types of games, it's just minimal. It's like, we don't really want to do it, so let's just do a low-effort thing. Dude, Sea of Thieves takes work. You should have made some, put some work into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Sea of Thieves didn't get it right on the first try. It took a lot of patching and adding content after a while. Yeah, but it still was fun for a lot of people. I, mean, I know. So was, uh, oh, what was the name of that stupid airship game again? Something of Pegasus? Um, oh, uh, sh- uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's on yeah, the tip of my tongue. Uh, they could have done that, except pirates, and people would have loved it. Uh-huh. It's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um... Guns of Icarus. Guns of Icarus, right. I knew it was uh, something like Pegasus or Icarus or something like that. I mean, you know, that that game is fun, as limited as it might be. You know, the one thing I would like to see from Guns of Icarus is for them to expand that world. You know, but you are what you are. But uh, imagine if, um, you know, hey, Ubisoft, go go to the developers of Guns of Icarus, buy the IP, have them do Guns of Icarus 2, leave them alone for like two years, and they'll come out with a game that people will play. They won't say it sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless, of course, it sucks. But, like, Ubisoft is occasionally capable of doing good things. No, less uh, less and less so. Uh, yeah, less and less so. I would agree with that. I mean, uh, like, you know, Rainbow, I really... Six or, uh, Rainbow Six has been basically the outlier for them in terms of the games they make, really. I really liked Mario plus Rapids, uh, Sparks of Hope. And yeah, but but that does but that's it's still a good game. I'm just saying, yeah, but the thing about that is that they're working under Nintendo's rules. Sure, but they've been working with Nintendo for so long that they because it makes they, them money. I mean, that, that and that's not it's not a new IP either. But I'm saying they have an understanding. Well, neither is Assassin's Creed, but they managed to fuck that up every two years or so. Yeah, but people still buy it. It makes them money. I'm just saying that they are capable of screwing up legacy content. Yeah, but none under Nintendo's watch, no. <laughs> yeah, of course. You, you can bet Nintendo was, was, was looking over them really hard. Um, well, and I also imagine that they have their best and brightest on that, what that one. What is that new XCOM game that's coming out? Not XCOM, but an XCOM-style game. Um, new XCOM. I know you were talking about Jagged Alliance 3 last week, but... It's like, are you talking about, it's like oh, a tactical... Weird West? Weird oh, West. Uh, huh. I know there's, about there's, a new Western ga- there's a new Western game that's, uh, anyways, uh, that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. Let's move on to the next item. Go ahead, Scott. Scott. I know you're part. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Sorry. I was just unmuting myself. Uh, GoldenEye comes to Nintendo Switch Online, Xbox Game Pass this Friday. This is from Eurogamer. N64 Classic GoldenEye 007 will make its most much-anticipated arrival on Switch as part of its Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack membership and on Xbox via Game Pass this Friday, 27th January. Those playing through Nintendo's service will have access to its single-player campaign that takes us from the snow-covered vistas of its surface levels to the less jungle of its well-chungle level, and also be able to take part in its multiplayer both locally and online. 
those on Xbox we now will have access to the campaign and its four-player split-screen multiplayer. This is an updated version of GoldenEye 007 for Xbox consoles and will include achievements, 4K resolutions, and a smoother frame rate and alternate control options. We talked about this, and it's kind of odd that the Xbox version will not have online multiplayer. That is weird, mm-hmm. but the Nintendo Switch will? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Xbox version will still have the four-player split-screen co-op, uh, multiplayer or multiplayer, and I think there's a lot of people who say, well, that's the way it should be. <laughs> um, just uh, murder anybody who takes uh, uh, what's his face with a hat. Odd job. Yeah. Odd job. Was that job in there? I don't remember. Yes, he was. was. And he was, he's he was exploited. Most <laughs> annoying character in the game. Because <laughs> he's shorter. <laughs> if you put on if you put on slaps only with odd job, you are cheating. <laughs> because Odd job is really hard to slap because he's so small, and he can just run around your legs, chopping your shins until you die. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. It seems like uh, why do I have a feeling that this is sort of like making up for the fact that the Nintendo the GoldenEye 007 will look like shit compared to the Xbox version. I mean, that's probably not a bad guess. I don't know. I am ex- I am interested in the fact that you can play online on Nintendo Switch because you can't for some reason you can't do that on the Xbox version. Yeah. Um, which kind of silly to me, but I also think that it's it's mostly because they Rare didn't want to build a multiplayer system, so this is just operating off of uh, the Nintendo Switch online system, which is already in play. I guess. Um, for those who are wondering if you want to buy it, well, just get the Rare Replay Pack from the Xbox. It's like five bucks now or something like that. Some really inexpensive price. So it'll be automatically added to the Rare Replay Pack. But, uh, yeah, this was one that, would a, lot, that a lot of people were waiting on for a long time. Like, it was, this was kind of the one that, uh, whenever they announced that Nintendo 64 was going to be coming to Switch Online, folks kept asking, where's Goldeneye? So, it's good to see that come out, and it's good to see that those people will get to play. Um, I have to figure out if uh, I have to figure out if uh, my a few of my buddies want to play this because I wouldn't mind blasting them with. Uh, I love I love the different game modes you could do in Goldeneye, like proximity mines only, uh, slaps only, all that. Like very. This was one of the I, this was one of the first games I remember with customizable multiplayer uh, settings where you could fiddle and do gimmick matches like that. And those of us who have been playing PC games looked at Goldeneye and said, what a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a, I know, it was a Nintendo. It was amazing they were able to do that with a, with a Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Nintendo 64. Yeah, and, uh, and so to see this come out, it's, it's fun. It's fun to see it ha- actually happen after people have been asking for so long. I still haven't played these, uh, the campaign yet, so... It'll be something I'm trying out. Oh, that's the other thing. I believe they changed the characters from uh, Timothy uh, Timothy Dalton. No, not Timothy Dalton. Was it Timothy Dalton who was in the in the uh, GoldenEye uh, two, uh, 2007? And they actually, I think they changed it to uh, Daniel Craig. Uh, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan. And they changed it for, for this new version. I think they changed it to Daniel Craig. I think it has something to do with with uh, lawyers and whatever the yeah, IP. For whatever reason, you know, whenever a new Bond game comes out, no matter which Bond is in the game, they have to use the current Bond. It's extremely rare that you would say see Sean Connery in a game, and I think they did that once. I think it was 007 Legends. One of the games actually had the other Bonds in it, you know, the other actors in it. But usually, when you have a James Bond came out, come out game come out, no matter what movie it's referencing, it has to be the current Bond. So you see, like Daniel Craig and and for uh, for eyes. Uh, uh, honor, uh, fuck. Her Honor Majesty's Secret Service. It's a real shame that uh, that Sean Connery went and did uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and ruined his uh, taste for acting forevermore. <laughs> because uh, they left money on the table by he turned down it. he turned down two big movies for that uh, for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. He, he, yeah, he also turned down the last Indiana Jones movie, which was really sad. Yeah. Like, that movie pissed him... League of Extraordinary Gentlemen pissed him off so much that he said never again, no matter what. Never, never say never again. Never, (laughs) 
But the the reason I was saying that sucks so much is that they left money on the table. Have you seen how well the Spider-Verse does with all the different versions of Spider-Man? You tell me they couldn't do that with James Bond? Here's the thing. All the James Bonds together in one thing. (laughs) Do you know what he turned down? Okay. He turned down being Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. He turned out, down being um, what's his face uh, uh, Morpheus in uh, the uh, in the Matrix. He turned down Nigel Powers and Austin Powers and Goldmember. He turned down uh, what else did he turn down again? Oh, he turned down John Hammond in Jurassic Park. Guy makes up his mind and he sticks to it. On the other hand, knowing what we know now of Sean Connery, maybe it was all for the best. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like, as well as the as well as the Spider Verse has done, you like they could have they could have gotten away with a, a James Bond verse, where you eventually had all the James Bonds together and maybe even fight it out. And in another universe, uh, Sean Connery is Dumbledore in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. That would have been interesting. <laughs> but uh, but I did watch I the trailer for this Camden. for. Uh, oh, sorry. I was going to say, but I did watch the trailer for this one, and uh, Pierce Brosnan is still on the promo art in the Xbox trailer. Okay. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, there was there was a GoldenEye remake before this that was only on Nintendo, if I remember correctly, that only had uh, Daniel Craig in it. I know they slipped Daniel Craig into some other James Bond games. I don't remember which ones, but, you know, in which he was not actually in that movie. It's just because, hey, James, Daniel Craig is the current Bond. We have to have Daniel Craig, according to EO. EO damn it. What is the name of that stupid company that owns uh, the Bond license? EOI or something like that. They said, no, you got to use, you got to do what we say you do. Which is why, by the way, um, they. I don't know if you remember this, but um, Rare had actually did a GoldenEye remaster. Like ten years ago, and they were they had it ready to be shipped, you know, with online multiplayer and everything. And E oh EON right EON said nope, we're not going to let you. Sorry, mm. sucks to be you. We say no. Now try this other crappy James Bond. Game. Hey, at least um the guys who do, who do the Hitman games are doing the next James Bond uh, game. Yes, and I'm very excited for that. They're uh, they're actually launching freelancer mode in Hitman Three tomorrow, which uh, I'm super excited for that too. Have you think, seen? Uh, yeah, seen I saw that. Yeah, I saw 2? that. Yeah, <laughs> it's so it looks so good. I hope they stick the landing on that because it looks like it could be like everything I need to jump back into that game for a good long time. I mean, there's not much of a, a leap from doing Hitman to James Bond. I mean, they, both of them, you know, do uh, disguises. They do stealth. They do. Assassination plus they you know they they do everything's tactically and you know the only difference is that uh, women will be getting naked as well as the men this time because hitman you know has this habit of taking off every every person's clothes so they can put on their clothes for them mm-hmm. despite the fact <laughs> what happened to my my butler who was like five six now there's this huge six foot three muscular man <laughs> who's dressed in his clothes. How'd that happen? <laughs> and he's bald now, with a with a coat on his the back of his neck. Look for our show notes at gamingpodcast.net, along with the industry news and our gaming history articles. If you enjoy feedback, leave us comments at our blog at gamingpodcast.net. Also, set us up at facebook.com slash gamingpodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us on iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Shard Moore. And we will see you next week. Hopefully there's more news. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun, be cool, play games, y'all.